I'm a scroll and you're a scroll and everyone here's a scroll. We are all scrolls and we're happy to be here. I just made that song up right now, but that's not the Infinity Rewatch theme song and it's going to play during that, so they might clash, for which I apologize. I'm a scroll impersonating Andrew Fantasia. Welcome. Oh, well, welcome. I am a super scroll impersonating the Ryan J. Whitehead. You are. Have you ever turned your hand into Groot and killed a person? You know, I want to. There are times. <laughs> I would love, you know, there's. I would love a good squeeze. <laughs> well, that poor sucker definitely uh, didn't see it coming today. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Uh, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Another day, another episode. We're one episode away until a nice little hiatus for Marvel for a little bit again. That's right, because uh, then uh, it's all quiet on the Western Front until November, to which we get the to which we get the Marvels, uh, and that I'm actually getting more and more excited for that. It's definitely going to be a different movie. Um, it could either be a good return to form, um, or it could be something different and something where they try to tackle bringing multiple audiences in. So I am very curious to see how it's going to play out. Um, I kind of feel like this has been an up and down year for Marvel. So I feel like after Marvel's, they need like a good, good break to reset and come back strong, you know? Yeah, they need to, um... I think that's a good word for it, reset. I don't think I could put it even better than that. Um, it's It's been quite a turbulent uh, few months, and it's only been seven months uh, since Phase 5 started, and mm -hmm. or even six, though, because that was February. But it has, it's been very turbulent, and they've been through a lot. Marvel has been like put through the ringer in Phase 5, and it really <laughs> doesn't, like... For the most part, they don't deserve being put through that ringer. It's just stuff that's been happening. Um, so I I get the need that they would want to recharge and everything, but also I hope they just keep going ahead with their plans because I'm I'm confident in their plans, right? I'm confident that what they have to offer us in this multiverse saga is going to be fun and beautiful and sweet, uh, just like the Infinity Saga was. We just gotta we gotta be patient. And we gotta get there. We got to be patient. Um, and, and again, you know, it's, I'm not gonna lie. It's hard to recover from a saga. I, this is what I'm learning. Cause mm -hmm. this is, you know, we're in uncharted territory with what Marvel is trying to do. You know, everyone's done a trilogy, you know, only so many people have done sagas and so far from what I've learned, it's not easy to continue a saga. You know what I mean? The only sagas I can think of are like, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, you know, and Indiana Jones could count. However, they didn't finish the sixth. They're not onto a sixth movie yet, so they haven't done a saga. They've only done five movies. But what what's considered a saga, right? What what makes a series a saga? And so, again, there are John Wayne films or a saga. You know what I mean? Like it's it's there there are out there, but they are out there. But after a saga is done, that's it. Like the saga is done. Like the Skywalker mm -hmm. saga, nine films, boom, done. Right now, yes, they're going to continue on and do more and add more films and all this stuff. But but in the end, how do you recover from a saga? And that's and I think with Marvel is like they're trying. They're they're in a very experimental phase now. What makes it hard and difficult? Is they're in phase five now. So or well, yeah, phase five. So. Phase five, you feel like they're in a new rhythm, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, is we're in a new saga, regardless. So they're they're trying to re, they're trying to use what worked from old formulas and you know mix matching, trying this chemistry set and seeing how it goes. Right, and the the whole idea of knowing that it's called the multiverse saga ahead of time, it's kind of they kind of shot themselves in the foot by telling us that because. The Infinity Saga, we didn't know that was a thing until it was over. And then we could kind of smile and go like, oh, yes, that's true. That's yeah. true. But uh, now every time something comes out that doesn't talk about the multiverse, people are like, Marvel is ruined. 
Marvel gave my child tuberculosis because it was so bad. Right? Everybody Whoa. just, yeah, they go, they go nuts. Dark twist, dude. Yeah, I've been on Twitter way too much and they, uh, it, it goes there. So they, they, uh, they are starting to hurl all these, uh, whatever the opposite of niceties would be. And it becomes this, uh, it just, it becomes this thing where there's no patience and there's also no sense of we have been through this before and just mm -hmm. let it ride. And we had a question from one of our uh, audience members. And I would normally answer these questions on Casual Fridays, but I actually don't even know if I'll get to record a Casual Friday this week. And it fits perfectly with us. So we're going to answer it here. This question is from Meredith Baxter. First of all, thank you for writing in, Meredith. And Meredith, just plain and simple, she wants to know, like, why are people not watching Secret Invasion? What's going on? Um, and I'm going to take the easy way out and defer this answer to you first because you are the you are the marvel guru i'm gonna dodge a bullet completely and just not answer the question <laughs> no um uh, well thank you fantasia for just you know throwing me into the lion's den uh but meredith no i appreciate questions because again i like i like questions questions can help help our show a little bit here and and I really appreciate you showing interest in, in why Secret Evasion isn't doing good. I think there's a there's a number of reasons actually that why the show isn't doing well. One, Disney Plus uh, Disney Plus series haven't had a great track record. And and to be fair, um, so we're in kind of there's kind of a multifaceted answer to this. But I'll, I'll start by I'll just start by hitting each point. One is the Disney Plus series haven't had a great track record. Only reason why Hawkeye did well is because they had Haley Haley Steinfeld in it, and the second thing is is there was a lot of hype about um, the unique characters they were bringing in. So Echo was a really good uh, the actor who played Echo was a really good actor because again it was a great way to showcase diversity and inclusion by actually casting someone who is deaf and uses sign language. And, and to create and to utilize a character from the comics and bring in um, uh, bring in this, this, this actor to do it was a really good move. And it was really interesting to, to show you the dynamic, the, the dynamics of the characters. You have this young aspiring archer versus this uh, uh, versus this uh, character who's deaf and and she's like, you know, and she's just as like, uh, she's just as uh, just as good as like some someone like Taskmaster. Like she she excels the physicality as much as the the hero does. So uh, with with what what may be considered a disadvantage, right? Uh, but to her, like she's deadly. She's fast. She moves very quickly. So they brought in a very unique character, and they brought in really good cast to really lure people in and draw people in. It's part of Marvel's casting. Is it's, it's it's that's that's the one. Of, that's the first one. The second one. Captain Marvel was good. It it's still considered a good Marvel film, but um, you know people love Brie Larson. Uh, but there was some poor feedback from the press run of Captain Marvel, so that kind of hurt the people wanting to come see it. And keep in mind, this is just my humble opinion. I'm not saying this is the de facto reasons. But I feel like these are reasons why. So Captain Marvel, um, what could have been a really strong film, had a bit of a rough press run. And to be honest, the writing didn't establish the character too well. She's a strong female character, but I feel like it wasn't strong enough to lure people in. Um, and so that didn't leave a lasting impression. And that was the one main series that talked about and the, I'd say one of the only series that really got into the scrolls. So, so that's, that's the second reason leading to the third, which is no one really knows about the scrolls unless you're a comic book fan, unless you're hardcore, you're not going to know what the scrolls are. And if you're, if you did not, if you're a casual fan and you did not see Captain Marvel, you're going to have very little idea what's going on in the show. Um, and then that leads me to my fourth reason, which is this show starts a slow burn. And, and from this day and age, if you don't hit hard right out of the gate, you're not, you're not catching your audience. It's as simple as that. 
And, and for some reason, these Disney Plus shows have a terrible track record with this whole Walking Dead formula where they have, a, they have something in the beginning, something small, then something big in the mid-season, and then something huge at the end. But the problem is, is that we live in a day and age, and especially with content consumption, where we need to be hit constantly. That's why Stranger Things works. Stranger Things constantly hits you. If it's not hitting you with nostalgia, it's hitting you with writing and conflict. If it's not hitting you with that, it's hitting you with um, uh, suspense and thrills. Uh, it scares. It hits so many genres to really keep you fascinated and and just incredible storytelling. Even, for example, um, I was watching uh, Never Have I Ever, uh, which is a great show. Great comedy. But some of the best writing in what I believe is conflict resolution for kids to get growth on how to tackle tough subjects. And, uh, and honestly, that show hits you kind of as if you're watching Instagram. Like, you know, here's a cute boy. Like, it's, it's kind of like everything's set up through a phone perspective. But it's, again, it hits you really hard. But Marvel, for some, I think there's like this weird disconnect with the audience where it's, it goes back to the hilarious joke, the, the wise, the rum gone joke that Fantasia and I have with the show, which is the people in the back of the theater. It seems to want to cater to two different audiences and there's no trust. For the comic book fans, there's too much explaining. There's too much like, oh wait, this could happen. And then for the new fans, they're, they're constantly giving you all this groundwork that you technically should have a good idea of what's going on and they spend a lot of time in character development. And for people that are getting into the MCU or have been just a part of the ride for the MCU, that formula does it's it's kind of hit and miss. And that's why Secret Invasion, I think, I think that hit and miss is really gonna weed out the weak the, the weak from the strong because for someone like me, I just want to see this through the end. Like I'm now invested because like the last two episodes have been like just hitting me with like incredible stakes and conditions for the characters that I really want to see played out. But the first two episodes, I was really like, oh man, I just want to get through this. And that's not a feeling you want in a show. Like Stranger Things season four is like my favorite season. And they hit you hard with the character Eddie right out of the gate. And yeah. it's, it creates such a great tone for the, for this, this series. This is supposed to be a spy thriller. And you're just, again, it's a slow burn. And so, Meredith, that's my super long answer. But it, I feel like those four points are really going to hit home of, of, or hopefully give you a better understanding as to why. And he is the president of Marvel, remember. So those are all probably the right answer. I'm Kevin Feige, and uh, I, I'm Kevin Feige's long-lost nephew. You're his boss. <laughs> I'm Kevin? The, I don't know if I want to be held responsible for the secret boss behind Kevin mm. Feige. I don't know if I'd want to be responsible for that. I wish I were. I mean, I'm really happy with it, it, from what I've been hearing about the fantastic forecasting rumors. I'm I'm really happy with that where that's going. I think you asked those people yourself, Ryan. Don't don't try to pretend otherwise. You were like, "Listen, I know who I want, and if you don't like it, you can go to hell." And Kevin was like, "Okay, sir, please don't fire me." <laughs> okay, you're right, sir. You're right. <laughs> no, I I mean, I I think that I think that. I think that uh, Bob Iger had a good point um, with Kevin Feige and that they kind of stretched him too thin and he didn't oversee. He hasn't overseen as much projects as he used to. Yeah. With the, uh, with Disney plus coming into the picture, it it's funny because you did get stretched thin. It makes you wonder though, let's say, and like, this is a, a question without an answer. It's just like a, a what if situation, but if there had never been a Disney plus, if Disney was like, you know what? We don't care about a streaming service. We're good. We just want to keep making movies. I wonder how they would have told these stories. How would they have introduced Miss Marvel to the world? How would they have yeah. introduced Moon Knight? How would they have told us this beautiful coda to the story of Wanda and vision? Like what would have happened there? And again, it's a story without a question without an answer rather, but, um, if I had to give Meredith my thoughts here about why people aren't watching or talking about this from just based on what I could tell you, it, like what I could see, 
with my own two eyes and my own 10 fingers, it, it looks like there's a, a lot of, like you said, Ryan, there's people who didn't really care about the world that was set up in Captain Marvel. And because this carries on from that, a lot of them are like, oh, it's those green alien folks. I, yeah, whatever. That doesn't concern me. Where's Thor? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on top of that, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just thinking of me, of Andrew here, but I feel like the comic book story, Secret Invasion, kind of came and went without leaving much of an impact that people are still talking about today. You know, it's not like the death of Superman or or the Civil War comic where people still talk about it today and what it did for its respective worlds. Secret Evasion just felt like this thing where they're like, hey, here's seven issues where everybody's a scroll for some reason. And then everybody just moved on and they're like, well, that was a thing. Um, and the idea of them taking that and adapting it now into the Marvel Universe, I feel like the comic fans who read those books were probably like, I don't care, right? And on top of that, what we've said week after week on the show, which is you're not going to make Thor a scroll. You're not going to make so-and-so a scroll because that would not work in this medium. So why are you telling this story? Um, and I think a lot of people kind of feel that way. And maybe it's not aggressive and angry and like, oh, I hate this idea, but it's just a sort of like, ooh, I, I don't. I don't see a point to this story. Why do we care about scrolls when there's, we should be dealing with Kang right now. We should be talking about the fact that Namor is a thing. Why are we wasting our time with aliens who are, you know, are scrolls going to matter when we're fighting Kang in two years? And it, I think the answer is probably going to be no. So I, I feel like a lot of people are already jumping the gun on that and saying like, so who cares? Why, why should I bother? Um, and that's not to say that I have been disliking the show. I really like the show's slow pace. I really like its seriousness and its tone is because it's, you know, it's something different. It, 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 it's another flavor of Marvel. Marvel's like a big bag of jelly bellies. And I just love all the different flavors that I can pull out and eat. Um, it's just, even though I'm enjoying the show for what it is, and I like the characters, I like Fury, I like Talos, I like Gaia. But uh, I really like Olivia Coleman. She's so much fun. But the at the end, like unless they do something wild, uh, either next week or in the years to come with what comes of this story, this is just going to be an interesting little footnote in Marvel history, I think. And I think that's what the comics were too. So I feel like it boils down to non-comic fans saying... I don't care about those aliens from Captain Marvel and comic fans saying, why would we want to watch an adaptation of a footnote? That's a really good answer. For someone who didn't want to answer the question, that's actually <laughs> a really good answer. And I, I even stand behind that as well. Absolutely. And it, But it even goes back to my point about the, the trying to cater to two audiences here. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not giving either audience what they, what they need to, to get into, get into this. Yeah, at least not not from where I'm sitting anyway. Nothing that would nothing to talk about around the water cooler, right? And that's what the shows kind of should be striving for. Um, you know, every for those 6 days when there's no new episode, you should be standing around with people, like, "Oh my god, like I can't believe Gaia said that. What's she going to do?" Right? Mm -hmm. Um and we haven't really had that discourse and I think that's what Meredith uh, what you've been noticing there. Mm -hmm. Um so that kind of brings us to this episode, today's episode, which was called, oh, Harvest. That's what it was called. Um, and it was the shortest thing ever made by human hands. Uh, I'm pretty sure, Ryan, I have seen episodes of Caillou that had a longer runtime than today's episode of Secret Invasion. Um, Interesting. Yeah. How, uh, what's your overall thoughts of today's episode? So an ultimate <clears throat> one. I'm kind of playing on the notes we've been talking about with Meredith's, Meredith's question here is that uh, one thing I think the show would create a lot of water cooler talk is if they spent a little more time doing the homework. And what I mean by that is, is like, 
Fury has all these files. He should be in a room, like spreading out all the different events, Battle of New York, you know, uh, the invasion of Wakanda, the, um, you know, uh, Captain Marvel returning, you know, all these events. And he should be starting to look at where could scrolls be. And if they did that, then if they spent a little more time kind of creating conspiracies of like, maybe Namor was a scroll, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Then what would be cool about it is, is that then the water cooler talks would be around like, Oh, do you think like maybe um, what? If, okay. Good example. Here's a perfect example. What if in civil war Zemo was a scroll? Mm. Right. Yeah. Then that creates, you know, the scroll invasions uh, that creates a bit more context to the scroll invasion. And like, so if we, so if Nick Fury thinks that, you know, we are hilarious, like humans are hilariously unprepared for superhumans. How do we deal with superhumans if we're invading this earth? Okay. We need to test that. Okay. So how do we do it? So then you work around, you know, you find a way to, you know, figure out who challenged the, you know, the Avengers and, or you find people who have been affected by the Avengers, you take on their role and then they, they somehow survive like a near death experience with the really mm-hmm. scroll. And then they take that and then they flip the script, like that kind of thing. Now, mind you, I'm just piecing together a good, a good story example here. Maybe not the best, but a good example, right? Um, like, you know, again, another great what if moment, what if Tony Stark, you know, did make it out of the caves, but the Tony Stark they found was not the one who it is. And he had to, he had to work under the radar the whole time while the other one's working over the radar. Right. So that creates the water cooler talk that I think would have played out better. But the show only gives you the only water cooler moment only happened recently, which is what if Rhodey's a scroll? Mm-hmm. And then the water cooler talk becomes literally about Rhodey. And that's it. And it seems so isolated, which works against what MCU is trying to build, which is like, if something's happening with Secret Invasion, it's going to inevitably take, like, it's going to inevitably affect whatever happens in, like, Song-Chi, the second one, or, like, whatever. So that's, that's kind of where it's at. So this episode, for me, again, we're now in that pace. We're in that pace of, like, they're clearly building something big here. Like, it, I feel like there's going to be something big paid off in the sixth episode. Uh, almost, almost as big as Kingpin. I don't think it's going to get as big, but I'm definitely thinking we're at the almost stage. There's still got a lot to wrap up here. And so either the last episode is going to be super long or it's going to be very finite, finite and a regular length. And they're going to have a lot of answers back to back to back. But it seems at this point, like... I don't know how Fury is going to turn this around. <laughs> like, like the scrolls are turning on themselves, which is great, but you're still dealing with someone who can, like, you know, do some real damage. Yes, yeah, we've seen Gravik do some damage here, um, and I like the uh, the scene with him and his minions. Uh, that was, I'm pretty sure, my favorite scene of the episode. Uh, because Gravik this week in particular, Gravik has felt just like a very cliche bad guy. Um, when we first got introduced to Gravik, there was a lot of depth there of this guy who was promised a home and didn't get one, and now he's angry. And you know, there was a lot going on on the surface. And this week, Gravik felt very one note. It was the whole thing of like, oh, my minion disagrees with me, I'll kill him to assert my dominance, and now I'm gonna drink my coffee and suck on the spoon and look all badass and walk around and swagger and pick up the phone and be like, speak, you better not fail me. And I'm like, wow, every cliche they could put into Gravik, they're putting (laughs) So I love how the second he got off that phone call, they completely pulled the rug out from under me and all those minions were like, nope. Uh, And I was like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I want to see where this goes. What happens if they kill him right now? I want to see where that that story goes because I think you could still tell a really interesting uh, story. If Gravik's dead right now, like that would be so cool. Uh, it would be a very Snoke moment. And I think we just talked about Snoke because your background it makes you look like you're in Snoke's throne room with that luscious red behind you. So 
Uh, I think that was definitely the standout for me. Um, but another little moment that really got me was um, when they're doing the little makeshift funeral for Talos. And Gaia is looking at her father's body, and then she kind of turns to Priscilla and says, I don't know the prayer. And she's got this, like, ashamed look on her face. And it that right there, that little line, ah, that, that makes it all worthwhile to me, Ryan. That makes this, this episode, which literally, you know, I think I brushed my teeth and I, like, the episode was over <laughs> from start to finish. Uh, but that little line made the four and a half minute runtime of, of episode five of Secret Invasion worthwhile because it perfectly sums up the plight of these scrolls. She uh, is trying to uphold the culture of her family. And not only does her father not get to be buried on his home planet, because he, as she said, he died on a strained world and a strained road, whatever, but she's been so far removed from her culture and from her home world because of all the turbulence the scrolls have been through. She doesn't even remember the funeral prayer to say goodbye to her father. I'm like, that's so heartbreaking. Like you can't help but think again of like the real world parallels of this of like people who have to flee their countries and like they try to come here for safe haven and they don't get it. And they, you know, you end up with this huge rift. Like I can't even imagine, imagine if, if something horrible happened here and we all had to move to like Sweden and, and, you know, you lose touch with, with what you had before. Like, that would be so scary. Mm -hmm. And all these people go through it here, and the scrolls went through it there. Uh, so that line is, is right there neck and neck with Rabbit getting the shit beat out of him by his thugs and her saying, like, I can't remember the, the funeral prayer. Like, that's heavy stuff, tough stuff. Absolutely. It's, it's heavy stuff. But, again, <clears throat> one thing I do like about it, is also it's it's building the lore of scrolls within the MCU. You know what I mean? I, I totally applaud you for calling out um you know that feeling and and I, I couldn't imagine that feeling uh you know for refugees or, or st and stuff like that because again yeah it's just like the the amount of culture that has been lost over wars and and uh you know uh wars and politics and and all that just you know just pure aggression and hate crimes um it's it's staggering it's it's unbelievable and and you know it's definitely something that people can relate to and it's good that that story has kind of hit that that medium and and doing but and also to you know build a world with mcu because the other thing is is there's got to be consequences right and and scrolls are one big thing with the scrolls is especially what Nick Fury has done being both being kind of like an anti-hero in this one is these scrolls are losing their identity period like it's just a fact on so many levels like they lost their culture or sorry they're losing their culture they're also just losing their own identity by becoming someone else um you know you see that in the story with Priscilla you know uh, where Gaia was saying, like, you know, did he get lost in seeing you? And, and she got really offended by that because, like, she's been living under that skin for a long time. Like, that's a long time to be essentially what could be someone else or perceived that way. But to Priscilla, that it's it's kind of a merging of two people into one, right? So, And you got to think, too, like, imagine being Priscilla how long do you think like into the how long into the relationship do you think did she straight out ask fury like would you still love me if i was green because that's this is me this is really me right yes i can look like this beautiful earth woman but mm. would you still fall in love with me whatever with my if i had my true face all the time like i'm sure she must have felt that she must have thought that it must have gnawed at her um, well, they, they did that with she hulk too because she hulk uh, found a guy who who accepted her she hulk form Second, yeah. which switched uh, back to her gen form wasn't about it. That's uh, that's uh, one of the funniest Marvel memes I've seen was somebody said the least realistic thing about She-Hulk is that nobody wants to date Tatiana Maslany. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> no, like the, it's, it's a compliment to her. Like it's the least realistic thing. Like all I these know. characters are like 
we don't want to date Jennifer Walters. And everybody's like, are you crazy? It's Look still, at her. It's still fun. It is funny though. Yes. It, it, uh, oh man. But, but yeah, so it's, it's, there are some real gems in this, this story, but you do get kind of lost in like the, the grand scheme of it all uh, because they haven't even got to the grand scheme of it all. And it's, it seems kind of weird that like, um, you know, they're trying to get them to attack the Russians and like, it's like, I still don't understand graphics motives is that, you know, he just wants all out war and chaos. And then in the end, it should, even if there's a, some loss of scrolls, there won't be enough life uh, left so that the scrolls can just take it over. That, that seems to be the. Yeah, it's, it's weird, man. I don't, is he going for just a scorched earth Sauron thing? Cause like he wants them to bomb new Skrullos killing all those scrolls there. Yeah. So that Russia gets pissed off and says, I fire nuke now. And, and world war three happens. Yeah. I, is this just spite? Is he like, I'm going to make these humans wipe themselves out. So they know how I feel. Yeah. But in the end it's like, is it, is, are only the super scrolls going to be left? So there's only an evolved species left. But I don't. But again, it's it's not too definitive, and it, it is. It does seem like he's he's not winning right now. Like he's, and I and I get it because like you know because of what Fury did in the last episode. But overall, like I kind of feel where Gaia is in this story, where it's just like graphics not winning, but I don't think Talos your way is going to be winning either. So it's just like okay, so. So how who's gonna win? <laughs> is someone gonna win? Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that kind of story that when when war happens, everybody loses, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're going for. I mean, this has been a very dark show to begin with, so maybe a more melancholy kind of ending is what's in the cards for us. Um, it would be definitely a different flavor of jelly bean. From the Marvel bunch, but I'm I'm down for it. Um, I I like seeing this graphic plan fall apart, uh, and I like spec because that that to me has been interesting. Is speculating like, okay, what's going to happen if, if he fails? What's going to happen if he gets killed by his underlings? Um, so I want to want to dive into that more. I feel like it, it would be very easy to just have episode six be about. Let's go to this place. We stopped Gravik, right? Like that that seems too packed. Like there's got to be more to it than that. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think the, the conflict of, se- of episode six could mm-hmm. make itself important if it becomes less about beating Gravik and more about Fury coming to terms with something. Well... <clears throat> I, I feel like that that's probably going to be the conclusion. Uh, the other thing is too for me that I think could could play out, but it's it's a long we're talking a long shot. But if it goes atomic, then that could be what what is the catalyst to kickstart the mutants because the mutants are a result of an atomic war, and and because of the. Because of that whole atomic war, then what happens is that forces humans to evolve, and I don't know. I I, the, I don't know if that would be good or bad. Uh, personally, I kind of like the idea because it's like, oh yeah, though that is. But you, let's say let's say like a warhead detonates, but doesn't destroy anything. It's just like maybe it detonates over a sky, and like you know, that causes I don't know the air to help. Like I don't know something stupid, but like. There could be a pseudoscience way of uh, of somehow strong arming the mutant story in there as a result of the secret invasion, right? So that could be a way out. But I I feel like what I feel like you're right. There is some kind of conclusion with Fury here because that's what the conversation with um, him and uh, May uh, uh, Fallsworth um, was that he feels responsible, and it's true that makes sense because you know. He used the scrolls to essentially amass a secret under to help essentially kickstart shield is what he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
But if that's true, then how is how is Fury going to get to that resolution? Yeah. And not only is he kickstarting S.H.I.E.L.D. with Skrulls, but he dropped a bombshell here. He is sending Skrulls into war zones to take Avenger DNA so that nobody else can get it first, I assume. Um, and that's dark, man. Like, telling like some alien, okay, look, here's your job. You got to go pretend to be somebody else. You got to go over to Sokovia. And uh, Quicksilver was bleeding a little bit. I just wanted to, to clean up that blood and just put it in this little box for it. Like, that is, that is some sick stuff. That is the dark part of Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. that we haven't really gotten a glimpse of since, like, the first Thor movie when S.H.I.E.L.D. were kind of the bad guys, right? Um, but they're doing some twisted men in black kind of things here. And it makes sense. I mean, for the greater good, you don't want the wrong person to find uh, Captain America's blood on the ground because that's how the Serpent Society happens or something. I don't know, right? That's how stuff goes south. So you want to keep that DNA out of the wrong hands. But, I mean, I think it's pretty much a safe guarantee here that none of those Avengers know he's got vials of them floating around. And then... Uh, to top it all off, we get this really cool little thing that I don't think we've heard before, which is that the fight at the end of Avengers Endgame has now retroactively been called the Battle of Earth in the MCU. Yeah. Um, is that the first time we heard that? Definitely. Definitely. It's the first time we've heard it be, be phrased as the Battle of New York. Uh, the only time, other time they talked about it was WandaVision, and it was just... But it was they didn't say it was the Battle of Earth. They just said when Wanda fought, um, when Wanda fought Thanos, that she could have beat him had he not called the rain fire. Right, right. So, yeah, I like that. I like how the the stakes kept going up with every Avengers film. We have the Battle of New York, then the Battle of Sokovia, then the Battle of Earth. The Battle uh, of Earth. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what what should the battle be called for the Kang Dynasty? The Battle of Time. The Battle of Our Time. Battle of Our Time. I, I I look forward to that. I mean, again, what I do like about this one, especially, I, I so it, you bring up a good point because what I do like about this episode specifically, because again, we could talk around the water cooler all the live long day about where this this season finale is going to go. I can tell you though that this one doesn't have a straightforward direction, which is both good and bad. It's good when you're in suspense. It's bad when you don't really have a good grasp of what's going on, uh, which I kind of feel like the, I think the what's going on is, is preventing this all out war um, between essentially Russia and the United States, but secretly it's the scroll war and stopping that. Um, yeah, uh, but the the real interesting again the real interesting hooks in this story is the harvest. This first one, I was worried that we weren't even going to get to the answer of what the harvest was till the next episode. Same. I was really worried about that. I was like, please just tell me what it is. Like, I ju I just want to know. I just want to know. And what I like about it is that um, he has to go to Russia to grab it, and uh, I like that. Um, I like that. Uh, I like that. First of all, they do explain what the harvest is, and that it's the blood of the different Avengers. So to create different scrolls. But to be fair, there's only so many Avengers that have superhuman abilities. You know what I mean? Like, like True. you take out you take out Iron Man, Hawkeye, and Widow. You're left, and then technically Thor's as guardian, so he's not really mutated. But I'm sure if Thor's blood got in our blood, like something would happen to us. Yeah, in theory, I guess. Again, that pseudoscience. I don't know. Um, but but definitely you want Hulk, Cap, and uh, the Pym particles, as well as uh, uh, Spider-Man, if you can get it. Um, uh, but yeah, like stuff like that. Essentially, is what they're looking for. Um, but what's weird is it's one vial. That's what Fury takes is one vial. So yeah. does that mean that he's like literally created a Deadpool uh, of uh, DNA of Avengers? But I don't know. Like it's just it's weird to me that it's one vial. Also, what I noticed on the uh, 
the uh, the mausoleums uh, headstone things there. Uh, they have the black what looks like the Black Panther symbol. Yeah, they had that little animal face. Um, I wonder how many of those mausoleums he's got around. He said he has a lot of the graves around. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense because at first I'm like, it should say Path of the Righteous. And it yeah. didn't. It said something completely different. It was a different quote? Oh, I missed that. I saw the quote at the bottom and it wasn't like super clear, but I just assumed it was the old one and I didn't bother reading it. Yeah, I know it's it's different, but and then and I was like, oh my god, it's different. And then then they clearly clear they clearly threw that like like let me explain real fast why. And then it's like, well, he's died many times, of course. <laughs> um, and then also, but again, this is what I like. With this is what I like that they did, but it could have been a little bit more. Um, they brought in Rick Mason from Black Widow, which is a great character to kind of give a little bit more time in, uh, which is really nice. That's his name. I always forgot his name. I just remember the actor's first name was O.T. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't recognize him because in Black Widow, like, he just kind of comes and goes. And I didn't recognize his face. Um, and it's funny, too, because he was a big part of the promo. He was a big part of Press Junkie, and he only has, like, two scenes. Was maybe. he really? He was in the yeah. Press Junkie for a Secret Invasion? No, not for Secret Invasion, for uh, Black Widow. Oh, for Black Widow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In Black Widow, he was, like, right there, front and center. Um, There's only in three scenes. Only three scenes. I guess they, they were pretty good scenes because one of them was was uh, Natasha watching James Bond. So that's that's important. You gotta you gotta junk it the hell out of that scene. Sure, bud. You you hold on to whatever you hold on to. <laughs> um, everyone everyone thought he was going to be Taskmaster. Uh, everyone thought, and then clearly that didn't pay off. No, it's okay. I'm Taskmaster. Oh. <gasps> Um, but yeah, he, I didn't clue in that that was him until I saw his name in the credits and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That was her friend. Um, and he gives Nick Fury the Ethan Hunt mask, uh, that he gets to pull off. Uh, he pretends to be an old, uh, old man passing through airport security. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, uh, I, have you seen Mission Impossible yet? No. Okay. So I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but. Man, those they masks. Possible too. The mask thing was every single time. Yeah, they use the masks in every movie. Yeah. Um, and they never get old. It's we're seven movies in, and every time they use those masks, it is a sheer delight. Uh, so seeing Nick Fury pull one off, I'm just like, "Yep, I'm on board. I'm on board with these masks," which they call a widow's veil. I forgot that's what they were called here. It's called a widow's veil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's nice to see uh, OT back. What's his name again? Rick? Rick Mason. Rick Mason. All right. Yeah, it's good to have him back. Nice little connective tissue. Cool. It, absolutely. But that's my point. It's just like it's it's it does serve the story, which is good, because like this guy's obviously smuggling him whatever he needs. But it's nice to see more characters. It's nice to see the world getting smaller and more connected. Now, to be fair, it's still related to Black Widow's world, which is nice, but it, it again it helps helps expand on other movies that definitely need a little more breath, like breathing space, which is de- widow is definitely one of them. Captain Marvel is definitely another, which this show de- like this show is definitely an extension to Captain Marvel for sure. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I find though too, is like had this Disney plus series come out after Captain Marvel, maybe that momentum would have been like a really good hook of like, you just saw Captain Marvel here's what's been happening in the world of the MCU. Yeah. You know I mean? Like kind of like, uh, you know, in, you know, in Marvel comics when they do meanwhile and they cut to like somewhere completely different, mm-hmm. that's what that should feel like. But the problem is, is like the time in which the movie took place to where the show takes, like in terms of the productions, uh, it's, it's, it's been a while. So it's hard to kind of want to get back into the groove, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Like they, didn't announce Secret Invasion until much, much later after Captain Marvel came out. So I wonder how different that would have gone down. Who knows? I don't um, know. Like, but it's the same with Black Widow. Like, if Black Widow actually took place when it should have, would that have made a difference with the movie? Right. And I, I have a feeling with Black Widow, I don't think it would have. Hmm. I, I don't. I think it would have still gotten the same response from everybody whoever people who liked it still would have liked it people who didn't still wouldn't um i mean maybe just 
No, not even. I was going to say maybe just coming in closer on the heels of Endgame, but I think if anything, coming out delayed because of COVID should have made us more appreciative of it. Um, so I'm surprised that wasn't the case. Who knows? It, everything really changed after Phase Three. Yeah. Uh, in the fandom, people really just started to drift apart. Uh, it's kind of sad because. I still, think, uh, I still think it's Marvel's got it. Marvel's still sexy. Just because it's four phases old, it can still throw a miniskirt on and rock my world. <laughs> Marvel, though, again, like I, I again, I don't want to make it sound like like this is a bad show or like that these new phases aren't doing well because they are. They they have their gems that really stand out. I mean, Guardians three made big waves when that movie came out, and mm-hmm. story wise, it hit, it hits hard. Like story wise, it hit it hits hard uh, with a great villain and a great story to go with it. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been thinking a lot about She Hulk, and those first two episodes are pretty flawless. They're really good. Um, before Jen goes back, and he and and it's literally like it's it it is like literally the Hulk show with with Banner and uh, Jennifer Walters. Um, it's a really good story. Like they, they, they build a really good foundation. Then, then mid season until essentially daredevil, it's, it's a bit all over the place, but, but, uh, there's some solid, solid moments. Uh, and it's, yeah. And moon Knight's moon Knight's a good show. It's just, it doesn't have, it didn't have lasting power. Um, it, but it was good. Like people liked it just didn't have lasting power. And, uh, I think it's because it's a bit too supernaturally. Like it just didn't quite hit the right spots. Um, I guess yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was emotionally, it was like one of the best ones, right up there with Wandavision. So it's, it's that, really it, hard to say why these don't hit. Yeah, like Wandavision's kind of the interesting. Ex- uh, Wandavision and Hawk. Actually, no, Hawkeye. I'm trying to think. Actually, you know what? No, I will include Wandavision and Hawkeye because it's if you take away. I mean, Wanda's no, actually, you know what? Okay, I'll leave Wanda in there because Wanda's a special exception. But Hawkeye, it's really Kate Bishop's story. It's not Hawkeye's story, it's Kate Bishop's story. And any Disney Plus show that has to introduce a new character almost like really works, with the exception of She-Hulk, only because it got really convoluted. But if you look at the first two episodes that really introduce She-Hulk. Then these Disney Plus series work when they're introducing and focusing on building up a new character. Mm-hmm. Secret Invasion's kind of tricky because the only new character, if you will, um, really is the Skrulls in general. But they've been introduced. It's it's further explaining that. So so again, I have seen some articles in the nerd communities that are saying that like. This is actually probably one of the most genius origin stories for a character we haven't seen yet until like the last episode. So yeah. So in that case, then yeah, these Disney Plus shows, I think the real gem here is is like introduce a new character, build the groundwork, and then throw them in a few scenes in one of the bigger movies, right? Like that's where it really works. And I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with this setting the stage for a cool new character and throwing us for a loop and having that character be part of the main group moving forward. Um, I also just hope that whatever happens, the composer of this show starts composing more stuff because it is beautiful music. Uh, Just across the board, that theme song, man. Chills every time. I never skip the intro on this. I know the AI is wonky and people don't like it and I get it. I don't want AI generated stuff either. Um, But it it's the theme of this particular story. I get it. And hearing that music is so worth it. Especially Absolutely. when it gets the Big Ben. And they feel Big Ben. And like the, the choir comes in. And I'm like, ah, oh, take me there now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So, I, I think to kind of summarize here. I mean, this episode did offer. It, this, I mean, this episode is just a great aftermath of the battle which naturally is what happens if there's a huge battle spend the next episode kind of having an aftermath and Mm -hmm. and then 
realigning on priorities and then moving on to the finale here. Um, I think I think that the harvest story plot is really cool. I think it it could either be a really neat payoff. Um, and it's true. It could be the big, could be the beginning of a really cool origin story for a character we haven't seen yet. Uh, in the end, though, if this kind of has just some sort of small conclusion uh, and it completes Fury's story, I don't. You're right. I think it goes back to the beginning of this this podcast and and, and uh, video here today, which is it, it's just going to be a footnote in a big story, and that's not that's not what the purpose of these shows are these purposes to explore a story to that will have consequences in the mcu that's i think that's the big promise that feige gave us but we're not we're not there yet not yet one episode left uh i'm feeling those consequences are going to come but they're going to be um character driven they're going to be more about fury and less about you know laying bricks for Avengers 5, and I'm okay with that. Um, before we close, Ryan, let's play Never Tell Me the Odds. Ooh, I had a feeling it was going this this direction. Yeah, it's because I'm an odd guy, so I'm like, talking about odds. Uh, this is a very simple one. What are the odds in Episode 6 we see... The character that we have kind of been, I don't want to use the word promised because that sounds entitled, but we've been, like, there, there is no better word for it at, the, at this present time. We've been promised Alluded to see, to? Uh, not even, like, strongly uh, implied mm -hmm. um, that this character was going to be around and show up as part of this story. And technically, we have not gotten them yet. And that's the real Everett Ross, who's on the freaking posters for Secret Invasion. Oh my God, I totally forgot about <laughs> Oh my God. Is he coming or what? I really have to think because I totally forgot about him. <laughs> He's in all the promos. He was listed in, as like the part of the main cast, like back when they announced the main cast. And I mean, I don't know though because I don't know though because again, it could just be the bait. You know what I mean? Like because he yeah. was in the first episode, they showed him. Yeah, absolutely. Like the whole idea. Of, yeah, he'll be in this, and then they fool us with him being a scroll, but. Because, because, because uh, again, um, the other thing too is is that uh, Maria Hill died in like the second episode, or so we think. Right, and that is that is cool. If they, you know, if they listed her as a main part of the cast and then she died right away, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Um, I can live with it. Yeah, because if you look at it like a movie, some movies are like that. Like. I mean, there was still about half an hour left in Star Wars after Obi-Wan died, and I'm pretty sure Alec Guinness got some pretty high billing, right? So there's uh, there's a give and take there, and I understand that. But something about Everett Ross being so front and center in all the promos and the casting and the posters and whatnot, for him to only be there in scroll form and only in the prologue of episode one, feels a bit strange to me. Like, if you're going to do that, that's cool. But why put him on the promo thing? Why not just have him be like a surprise? Like, oh, hey, everybody, Ross is here. This is He'll take care of those scrolls for us. Oh, shit, never mind. He is one, right? Why, why put him... Like, the, the thumbnail I use for these videos is that banner poster with everybody, and he's in it. He's, like, right next to Fury. I think he's larger than Talos is in the in the poster. So I'm really flummoxed as to what they had in mind. And that's why I want to know what you feel if you think he's coming. I, I'm going to do a business answer to this. <laughs> oh. Use business jargon, too. Say words like synergize and, <laughs> and do lunch. And do lunch. <laughs> 
Um, the the business response I have to that is that guy was the poster boy for Lord of the Rings. So if I want people to come to my show, I'm going to put that that guy in one of the. And he was also in probably one of the big series, uh, one of the big leading series for the UK, which was the Sherlock Holmes series. So if I'm going to get track people to my cool spy show, I'm going to put them in the poster. But do you need that if, if Sam Jackson is on the poster? Because that's like. That's nobody sells more than him. I mean, yeah, it's Sam Samuel L. Jackson, but if I'm trying to pull in a wide variety audience, if I'm trying to get as many people in on this as possible, I would like to lead with a strong marketing ploy and uh, and use that to uh, to get uh, a higher peak in um, what's the word? A higher peak in uh, in reach. It will, it will guarantee me a stronger reach if I if I utilize some of the big headlining actors like uh -huh. Bobby Smulders, Martin Freeman, um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and yeah, even uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, he's a, he's a big guy as well. So, you know, again, that makes it that makes the show really like a big and big old invitation to come in, right? So it wouldn't matter if I killed off a character right out of the gate like Maria Hill because. I already pulled you into the reach. Hopefully the content of the show will keep you invested. But marketing wise, if I had the dollars and I can use these posters, then why wouldn't I use it? I mean, it's not a fun answer and I don't have, I don't have like a nerdy, nerdy approach to it. In, in answer to your question and your odds, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's likely I could be horribly wrong, but what purpose would that serve in the story? His, like he's right now he's in Wakanda or should be with the Wakandans right now. So why? And he's also should be under arrest because uh, uh, Valentina is is after him. So is that where we left off with them? She um... yeah she tried to arrest him in in uh, Wakanda forever, and then um, Okoye uh, breaks him out. And then, and so I assume he's taking asylum in Wakanda right now. And why? Why would he leave that be, to expose himself? That is a good point. Okay, so that's so you, have, you would have a lot of story explaining to do in order for him to make an appearance. Like Rick Mason, like he, this guy's been under the shadows for God knows how long. So yeah. it makes sense for him to make it just a cameo. But but they literally showed in Wakanda Forever he was he was freed by the Wakandans. And so I assume he's taking asylum there because they, 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 he's earned respect with them. So why would he leave that? Tell yeah. Fury. Tell like, Fury, tell Fury supposedly when he's CIA and he doesn't really know shield. Yeah. that That's a good point. I don't think we, I always assumed Fury was friends with him or just acquaintances with him, but I don't think they've ever even really met. Have they? Not that I can recall. Civil War. He worked with. Uh, he worked with uh, Ross. So, or no, sorry, not Ross. Uh, yeah, no, Thunderbolt. Yeah. yeah, they're both. They're both Ross. So uh, yeah, yeah, that was a Thunder weird Ross. choice to begin with. Yeah, no, no, Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, yes, that's right. But but my point still stands. Is like he's worked on a military level, but that doesn't mean he's worked on a shield level. Even uh, what's his name? Uh, Wu. Wu hasn't. Ooh, yeah. as far as I know, doesn't know Shield exists either. Uh, but he might know Sword exists because of because uh, of Spectrum. But I doubt. I doubt it. I doubt it. I right. doubt he knows. I doubt he knows Fury. I doubt that, it. That's a good point, man. I think a lot of this came from me assuming that they were buds. When that really, now that I think about it, doesn't. A lot of this came from you drooling over the marketing, which clearly marketing did their job. They did. Good job, marketing department. You're almost as good as the composer. Uh, <laughs> so for odds, then, I will go lower than initially. I will go 14% that we see Ross in the finale, the real Ross. I, if I had to give you a number, I'd give you maybe 10%. <laughs> That's that sounds pretty accurate to me too. I think yeah. that works. Well, that's episode five of Secrets Invasion. There's only one left. Hold on, hold on. I got one. Never tell me the odds question. Ooh, give it to me. What are the odds? 
that Gravik gets a hold of the Avengers DNA and gets more Super Scrolls with unique powers. Mm. The odds that he gets a hold of the DNA, I'm going to say mm, 85%. Ooh. But the odds that he lives long enough to do that stuff with it that you mentioned, 4%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Gravik's dying. He's not making it through this show. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I'm not as high as you are. I'm going to say 60%. There's a 60% chance he's going to get a hold of it and be able to use it. Whether it be on himself or for somebody else. Right. Maybe Gaia kills him. She's going to be the one to kill him. She has to be. Um, and then uh, he's like, take this and lead our people to a new life, whatever. And she becomes a super being. Of some kind with it. I don't know. Um, that's that's the closest thing I can think of right now. I don't know. I'm still, my head is still uh, in a whirlwind of the fact that Gaia didn't die because we really kind of, we took that road after we saw her get shot. And then when it pivoted, we were, at least I felt kind of lost at sea. But that's a good thing. That's, that's unless, uh, well, it, I think it's irrelevant if the one theory is of, uh, the one theory is that the Abigail Brand theory still pays off. I, I think that's irrelevant, whether she survived it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And then the two of them can team up and be friends, and they'll look exactly alike. And you get to see something where it's Amelia Clark and Amelia Clark. And I am there for that. Well, unless Abigail Brand eventually becomes the director of Sword, so could this be Fury's last appearance? Hey, Fury dying might very well happen. You know, Nick Fury. I, you know what I'd love if it's Fury dying, but it's one of those last fake deaths, and it's like he finally throws in the towel and he's like done, done. I'd be okay with that. Uh, like no, one, no one ever really dies in Marvel. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, I know he loves. I love being Fury, and I'm sure he keeps working out deals with Marvel. But I think. If we're looking for the the next threat and like they need a new fury, Brand would be the first per, the per, perfect person to go for that. Oh yeah, yeah, she would fit. What would you do if he did the fake death, but it was like it was beat for beat the Dark Knight Rises fake death, and it ends with him sitting at a table in Paris, and then you see like Michael Caine. That's what I want, though. I, I mean, not, just, not the Michael Caine part, but like pretty much, yeah. I want it. I want that. I want Michael Caine to be drinking his little aperitif, whatever he's got there, and then he's like, he's tipping, think, tipping his little I, cup to Sam Jackson. I, Sam Jackson's like, it could be. I mean, I mean, there's two foreshadowings they could do that totally align with that, and I'll end it on this note. Oh. One is fake death, and then he's back at the house with the light coming in the house. And he's got a nice quiet place. Oh. And uh, and yeah, and, and that's that's that. And then the second one is um, uh, Fallsworth finds it or yeah, Fallsworth yeah. Uh, finds finds him in Sweden with his with Priscilla, and they're having like tea or something. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know what? I'm gonna double down on your book thing, man, because I love that so much. He's got the light coming in. He's reading his book. I think you know that shot in the movie Up when the two of them are sitting reading and like they're holding hands and they're they're reading the books. I think we're this this is my prediction. This is it. Lock it in. We're gonna get uh, Fury reading just like he said, reading his book, and then he turns a page and he puts his hand in his lap like that. We get a close up just on his hand, He's sitting in his lap, and then we see a green hand come in on the opposite side and they just there you go each other like that. All right. That's it. Secret Evasion. We did it. Done. Book closed. <laughs> we'll, have to see. we'll have to see you next week. Uh, seven more days. I'm excited. Ryan, where can the people find you when you are yourself and not a scroll? 
You can find me currently right now. Uh, you can find me on youtube.com forward slash expert zone, uh, where you'll see my content to see what I do for a living and, uh, please support my living and, uh, <laughs> uh, make sure to like, and subscribe to the content. Uh, and, uh, as we review and show off cool products, uh, products and services for Microsoft. Everybody should own a shirt that says, please support my living. <laughs> I, you know what? It's a great mantra. <laughs> oh, boy. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Andrew underscore Fint. No, that's a lie. I, I don't even remember anymore. Just, just type in my name on Instagram. If you see a picture of me, you found me. And the same goes for Twitter. Uh, and then you can find me on the Andrew Fantasia channel here on Digital Charcuterie and on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network sometimes, too. And until next time, everybody, please have a marvelous, scrolly day.